What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today we're going to do something a little bit different with the books. So we always choose books and we talk about them. That's our thing. But what if you're out there and you're saying, okay, these books are great, but I'm kind of interested in X, whatever X is. How do I go about finding books? How do I even begin to incorporate something? If I'm interested in a religion that is not widely known, how do I begin to reconstruct this religion for me? Or how do I add parts of it? How is it, you know, we're always talking about what is valid, right? People in the community are telling you this is valid, that is valid, you know. How do you incorporate things and how do you know what books can help you and things like that? So we kind of figured we would take you a little bit behind the scenes of what we do in our own personal work when it comes to our religious paths and basically how we figured out Hellenismos and I'll let you know a little bit more about what I'm doing. So that's I'm basically... I'm very excited about that part. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited about the whole thing. So first thing, let's go with the ground up, which is what you had to do, right? Yeah, yes. I mean, there, there's some foundation. You're not the only Hellenic out there. But, yeah. you know, how does somebody that wants to reconstruct a religion, how would you even begin? So, obviously, I want to preface this with I'm coming at this from a very Eurocentric perspective. All of the religious practices that I have looked into in this context have been European, right? I know about Hellenismos. I know about... Um, like the not Nazi version of heathenry. I am working on Celtic reconstruction, things like that. So for these religions, it tends to be easier because we have access to their mythology in texts. Um, for me, the way that I got into Hellenismos was through the mythology. And so I that is where I always suggest people start with. And when we were doing books um, I think last year, talking about Hellenismos, we were looking at Edith Hamilton's mythology or Bullfinch's mythology. Both of those texts are great because it's literally just the text of the myths as close to the original as possible. And, and obviously translation becomes an issue, but I tend to tell people to wait on that. <laughs> That's a thing you can worry about later. But just know the stories, right? Knowing the stories of a culture is one of the easiest ways to begin to immerse yourself in what they thought was valuable, what they honored, what they didn't honor. And since the myths are all centered on, or mostly centered, the ones that we have on the gods, it also gives you a really good way to figure out how they were worshipped. I would start with the Iliad and the Odyssey as central religious texts to Hellenismos, but in like northern um, Scandinavian religions, the poetic and the prose Eddas are really good. Any religion that has texts is going to be easier to reconstruct because there will be historical evidence. Um, once you've started to get comfortable with the texts, then I start looking into, I mean, first of all, just like type the type like Greek mythology religion or like Norse mythology religion into Google and see if something comes up. Um, when I found Helenion.org, that was foundational to me because I was able to see uh, other people and find other people who were 
doing the same thing that I was doing. Um, so just a cursory search there might help you find a groundwork. Um, if you don't have another person to look at, you need to be journaling. Um, it needs to be a very reflective practice. You need to be looking back on things. I would suggest annotating the texts, right? Highlighting moments where, you know, in the Iliad, you see the scene where um, Agamemnon has to sacrifice Iphigenia. Cool. I thank you for nodding because I don't remember whose parents are whose. Um, and that moment is, it gives you some context. It gives you powerful context for the way that the gods were treated and the fear that could be instilled by the gods looking poorly on you and what you would need to give to them. Um, so like highlighting that and then reflecting, how did I feel about that? What does this make me think about a religion that honors this or a God that demands this? Um, those are the first steps, right? The first steps are knowing the story and then you can start building into your practice. Okay. Well, this Agamemnon had to sacrifice Iphigenia to end this plague. So obviously there is a sense of um, reciprocalness with the gods. You have to give to them in order to get from them. And how can I start incorporating that into my practice a little bit? Um, with heathenry, you know, sometimes you see people talking about the different gods being sort of patron-like. Um, patrons are different in Greek practice than like a traditional witchcrafty practice. So I won't get into that, but looking at like, what does the God rule and how can you offer something them that they, something to them that they rule over getting a cat for Freya, right? Things like that. But you want to know the text first. You want to know the myths first before you start incorporating it into your life because it gives you a foundation. It gives you tools to use to then start actually practicing. Okay. Um, did you ever come across a myth that you read it? And of course, when we say reading, you know, you did mention annotating. Um, it's more than just reading the myth and going, okay, I know this myth. This is really cute or whatever. It really is taking it apart. Now, yeah. did you ever take apart a myth and go, wow, I don't know about this one. Like, did, was, did any myth ever like almost become a roadblock for you? Yes and no. Um, okay. <laughs> I, this is a thing that I've realized. I answer like 90% of questions with like yes and no or like not no or like air quotes. I just did air quotes. Like my answers are never straightforward. Um, I had a lot of trouble when I was beginning my practice with the Medusa myth um, because I think a lot of people know this myth of Medusa as um, a priestess of Athena and she's raped by Poseidon and then Athena curses her to be a Gorgon. What I realized while I was doing more research is that that myth is not even a true, it's not a real Greek myth. It's a Roman myth based on Greek practices that would have been considered ancient. It was written by Ovid, who's a Roman dude. So I like when I say do the, do the text, I mean it. Because finding out that in traditional Greek practice, Medusa was always a monster, that there was never this narrative of, you know, her being a, a quote unquote broken woman and being treated with disrespect by the God, that never happened. 
it was Roman. And I don't use Roman sources in my religion. Um, And that really helped me to recognize that, like, sometimes the texts have to be taken in the context that they were written. And that as much as we like to do um, unverified personal gnosis, and as much as we like to have personal relationships with these myths, you have to start from the beginning. And the beginning is what was written. For me, that also then helped when I was looking at like myths about Zeus, who is canonically not really great at um, monogamy. And a lot of times I'll hear people talk about like, oh, I could never practice a religion that honors someone like Zeus. It's like, yeah, no, I get it. In our modern society, Zeus is a predator. But when you go back into the context of the Greeks, like being able to claim that your child was Zeus's child made you powerful, right? Gave you clout. (laughs) And so a lot of these stories are not being told in the context of, oh, you know, look at this predator, look at the way he treats women. It was being told in a sense of, of honoring and worship. And so is everything going to be great? No, you're going to you're going to get myths that absolutely suck and you're going to have to be like, "Ooh, what do I do with that?" But make sure that if you're doing a reconstruction, you're using the right stories. Um I remember being in 10th grade. I'm an asshole. <laughs> and we were doing a story about Greek mythology, and I literally interrupted the class to be like, "I'm sorry, but um Apollo and Helios were actually syncreticized to be the same um, god. Apollo was not originally a sun god. Uh, Um, actually, Apollo is a god of prophecy and light, but not of the sun. And so they're technically different gods because Romans put them together. So you got to make sure that you're, you're able to find the beginning, the foundation, the text from your practice. And if you are going to say, you know what, fuck it, I'm using the Roman syncretization too because Greek practice and Roman practice are very similar. Just be upfront about that, right? Be cognizant of the way that it changes your practices. Um, You have to self-reflect. And for me, coming from a Catholic background, if I was okay with the idea of this like omnipotent God who is supposedly benevolent but allows bad things to happen to people to like test their faith, I'm also going to be okay with Zeus Or, you know, the other stories that sometimes come up that are not necessarily acceptable to a modern audience. It didn't cause that much cognitive dissonance. But you you don't have to practice a religion that you're not comfortable with. So as you're doing the reflections, as you're reading the text, if you don't feel comfortable, that's okay. You're allowed to move on from things that you thought were important to you. Now for you, how important... I don't know if I really want to say it like this. I was going to say, get it, get it right, air quotes, right. You know, um, things have changed so much on how we just live day to day that I think that it's yeah. almost impossible to practice the way people practice them. So my question for a reconstructionist, how, how close do you want to get to how people practice? Is that important or is it important in reconstruction to interpret the practice in a modern way. In other words, okay, this is the myth. This is the core of what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm yeah. going to interpret that to be blank. A modern blank, right? Whatever that is. 
So I like to think of this, I think I mentioned this on a podcast in like the first season of Witch Space, this spectrum between um, like pure reconstruction and pure revival. Yep. And I like to be somewhere in the middle. Um, for me, I think it's important that you are true to the myths because that's that's like the baseline that you have. That's where we get our information from. And if you're not true to the myths, then are you really worshiping that God or are you worshiping like a thought form or like another spirit or a different religion? Like the myths kind of give you the guidelines in the same way that like the Bible air quotes, the Bible it's, there's no air quotes around the Bible, Gemini. It's the Bible. I don't know why we did that. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes my brain in the same way that the Bible is kind of the text that gives you Christianity. Mm -hmm. The manner in which you interpret the texts is the way that I think guides your practice. So for me, I choose to be more towards revivalist where I will interpret the texts and say, these texts tell me X, what would X look like in a modern life? You know, um, being vegan is, is a big one. If I was doing a very traditional reconstructive practice, I would have to offer meat. Most of the gods got meat offerings. I'm not doing that. So what can I sacrifice? What can I offer that would be valuable in the way that meat was, but is not going against this choice that I've made? Um, Some people go full reconstructionist. I mean, some people really commit and it's going to be up to you and it's going to be what feels the best for you. Um, There are also people out there who are very revivalist, especially with the Greek gods and like interpret everything through a modern lens and have very, to my perception, kind of frivolous relationships with the gods. But that's their practice. And it's, it's like, what's my place to be like, oh, I don't think that this is right. It's not right for me. It doesn't work for me but it might work for you. And you kind of have to figure out where on that spectrum you sit. I think the whole idea of a sacrifice, if we look at the meaning of the word, to sacrifice a piece of meat for you wouldn't be a sacrifice. You don't eat the meat. You're not taking meat from your family and sacrificing that to give it to the gods. That would be, aside from the fact that it's not what you stand for, it would be almost like a hypocritical thing. Like you're not going to, you wouldn't eat this meat anyway. So you're not offering a sacrifice, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. So. I have to stress this yeah. is all, like, very Eurocentric. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to, rem- like, put that back in. Like, this is a very Eurocentric way to look at these things. No, and that's fine. There's, there's totally different ways to look at stuff. So there's no wrong way. There's nothing wrong with. Just knowing that some of the practices are not going to have texts. There's right. not going to be. The right. way for you to find, like, you you can't do Reconstruction versus Revival if there's no, like, oh, well, how do I interpret the story if you don't know the story? And that's when you come to me <laughs> and my stuff. All right. Yeah. So let's go through the little timeline of my spiritual path. So raise Espiritista Racionalista. Just want to say there's a lot of different Espiritistas out there, so I am not going to say that what where I was raised or what I learned is, you know, that's it. It's not it. Yeah. It's, you know, specifically Espiritista Racionalista. Um, we would go to places called La Catedra, 
to study, to speak, to hear mediums speak um, different days during the week. And basically my practice was, you know, and I don't know how else to say it, spiritual. Spiritual in the sense that rituals, a lot of it is internal, right? A lot of it is meditative. A lot of it Mm -hmm. is, you know, spirit guides and ancestor work. And that's what we had. Then you have another side in my family, which is Santeros. Now, the thing with Santeria, there are some books written. There were some books written. um, Actually, we're going to talk about one. We'll do one of those at some point because people do want to know about different practices. So at some point, we'll talk about like the heavy hitter of the writers of Santeria. But this is really when we talk about closed practices and we talk about initiation. And as much as we've said about Wicca, like, oh, you don't have to be initiated. I think Santeria falls into one of those things because there aren't a lot of texts that people can just go to that you want that guidance Mm -hmm. from somebody. You want somebody to take you through the steps and to help you work with the Orishas. Um, Santeria is based off of the Yoruban religion. I'm not going to say they're exactly the same because different cultures have taken it to their own terrain, right? So depending on which way you want to go, I would definitely suggest seeking somebody out. Um, It could be expensive or it could be cheap i would say if you really feel drawn to it don't go looking to pay that's a terrible thing to say because i know people make money this way but yeah if you go into with this sincerely you will you will find someone you will find your teacher your teacher will be out there and they will Mm -hmm. they will definitely help you so why is it a closed practice it's a closed practice because it's based on santeria specifically is the religion of the saints. So you're talking about African enslaved people who were brought to the Caribbean and forced into Catholicism um, by their slave um, owners. So you have Catholicism, you have Yoruban, and of course, as things keep going on, there is this mixture of the two that becomes very unique. Just like when you talk about voodoo, New Orleans voodoo is going to be very different from Haitian voodoo, right? The culture influences the way the practice is done. Yeah. And I do think that Santeria, for me personally, is a closed religion. And, you know, for, for two people that come on a podcast and say that everything is open to everybody, I feel that there's a fine line between appropriation and appre- appreciation. And unless your people come from the people of this tradition why exactly are you called to these gods is my question so you go from a practice that is very very spiritual almost um all mental right with meditation and and ancestor work to a tradition that is has a foundation in hierarchy of gods of saints Mm -hmm. right of ancestor work as well. I'm not saying that there is an ancestor work. It's a, it's much much more ritualized. There are rituals yes. involved versus espiritista where while you are studying, and when I say studying, are there texts? There are texts. They're very hard to come by. They're not really well known. The only ones I know are in Spanish. Um, actually, I have one text in English. Maybe we can talk about one day, but... You know, and then you have this other practice, which 
is ritualized, which you do have to be initiated of sorts, right? You, you can't just go into this and say, let me just start practicing. I guess you could. So maybe I want to take that back. And maybe people are going to get upset with me for saying that. But I think if you were called to something in 2021, you know, I haven't tried to research it. So I can't mm-hmm. tell you that there isn't more available. But there is one thing that I recommend to people. Google Scholar. And if you've gone to college, if you yes. have any affiliation, if you're an alumni of any university, you can still get academic papers. Take advantage of that every single day. I get from Columbia, like this paper, that paper about Wicca, about, you know, indigenous practices. I get academic papers and then I get to see where they got this information from. So if if you know somebody who has an affiliation with a college, take advantage of these academic papers because they will do a lot of the legwork when it comes to where should I even begin to look? Reading a paper might be a great way to start. Right, especially if we're talking about something that's not Wicca, something that doesn't have tons and tons of books, right? Yeah. And if it was Wicca, you already have the beginning of our podcast. As much as we have torn apart Gerald Gardner, if you're going to be Wiccan and not read Gerald Gardner, he created yeah. he created this. He created modern day Wicca. And then, yeah, you can read Crowley. You can read other people that he he was influenced by. Right. Before you go on and decide what you want to do, but again, you know, Wicca we we can talk about to death. So on with my practice. Yes. So there's something that has always been in the back of my mind, and that is the religion, the other religion of the islands that my family is from. So we're talking about Puerto Rico and Cuba. And that would be Tainos, which is the Arawak Indians. Now, there are... Um, many books. I have tons of books, but there's one particular person I wanted to talk about, and I'm probably going to massacre this person's name, so I apologize in advance. Dr. Sebastian Robiu Lamarge. That's about as good as I can do it. Um, he's got two really great books. The first one, and I haven't been able to find it in English, but if you speak Spanish and you're interested in Tainos, is Mitología y Religión de los Tainos by Dr. Lamarge. Um, it's great because it tells you about the myth, just the mythology. This is just going to break down mm-hmm. the mythology. Um, there's, you know, there was a, a thought for a long time that the Tainos disappeared. They didn't disappear. Okay. Um, especially since we're getting our information from an island that was colonized and another that we don't have a relationship with. So if you're, you know, of the diaspora here in the United States, it's going to be kind of hard to get information from Cuba, and definitely Puerto Rico has their slants because, you know, of the colonization there. So that's the first book. The other book is Tainos and Caribs, and this is in English, The Aboriginal Cultures of the Antilles. Um, It it was translated, because it's also in Spanish, if you'd rather read the Spanish. I have this one in English. This one will take you through the mythology, but it's also going to take you through um, not just the Tainos, but the Caribs, because there were other indigenous people. The mythology, the agriculture, um, from slavery to anthropophagy, um, it it really tells you more about than just the religious aspect of these people. I think that's important for me, Um, not just the mythology. Now... To go back to Wicca for a second, before I jump into the Tainos. So for Wicca, you know, I had those books. 
I have been lucky enough to study under several people at different times in my life, um, taking basic witchcraft classes 101 with different people, you know, 101, 102, whatever you want to call it, because I feel like I don't care how long you've been practicing, you can always take a 101 class from somebody. You will learn things for sure. So with Wicca kind of, you know, done, and why did I even go to it? I know I've mentioned it before. You know, for me, you know, from Gardner to the Farrars, you know, the Witch's Bible Complete for me is, you know, if you're Wiccan, you want to read that before you go on to, you know, of course, Buckland and Cunningham and all that. But having that, that for me gave me the ritual that I needed that I felt really helped my espiritismo. Okay, to go from a cerebral kind of spiritual path to have things in front of me. I learn best by doing. So when someone tells me to uh, visualize, I can visualize, but if I can light the candle and I can cast a circle, now I'm going somewhere else in my practice, right? So Wicca really helped me in that respect. Every single time that I've gone looking for something is because I felt something is missing. And one of the things that has been missing is the dirt, the dirt, the soil, the water, <laughs> of my people okay and i live in new york so obviously i also want to incorporate things that are very new york because i love new york i grew up in the city now i live in the suburbs i can't believe that i'm even i'm even here because i never would have thought this when i was younger but i love all this so again i do want to pay homage here but my people my blood is from borican and i wanted to learn more about this so Does that mean I throw the baby out with the bathwater? No. That means, like Gemini said, I started with the myths. Who was Atabe? Who was Yukahu? What does that mean to me? Mm -hmm. And then things just start, as you keep reading, you start realizing when you're talking about people understanding of themselves and of the universe, they used astronomy to figure out the different seasons. Because remember, Puerto Rico temperature doesn't change that much we don't have the falling leaves and the snow and the this and the that yeah but guess what summer solstice winter solstice right the equinoxes they were all about that they have ceremonies for that right they have the god dying and being reborn in his mother Does that mean, oh my God, so Wicca and this? No, they're not the same. But there's something about these religions. We were talking about it before in another podcast. We said how the myth of Jesus can be traced back to the myth of Dionysus. Um, What we're looking at, when we're looking at a lot of these ideas of what Wicca was, of what other people, earlier people have done, They're making sense of their world, and they're making sense of their world in something that they understand. The spiritual world, the natural world, right, that's around them. Um, And they're using the same tools. Why? Because these are the tools that were available to all of these cultures. They're going to interpret them differently. Okay, I'm not saying that it is the same thing. It is not, right? They're rituals. There is a very specific ritual that Dainos used for the full moon, that I have started to incorporate in my practice of the full moon. It brings me closer to what I feel are my ancestors, um, the spirits of my ancestors, the semis of the Dainos, 
Um, it's something that brings me joy. And I think that's something that we also have to think about when we're recreating Absolutely. or we are incorporating things into our practice. Does it bring us joy? Is Am I doing it, quote unquote, correctly? I'm doing the best that I can. I have other resources that I can tap into that we will be talking about in a later podcast. Uh, when it comes to that, you know, I feel that there are a lot of people out there now really sharing the information yeah. that they got handed down from parents and grandparents and stories that they've heard. So when it comes to Taino work, would I say that this is a closed practice? Again, yes. Now, I've also heard people say, well, I'm only a quarter Puerto Rican or I'm only half Puerto Rican or I don't speak Spanish. Okay, none of that matters, right, for you to claim what is yours, okay? Um, so for me, I mean, I don't really have that issue because my family comes from the two islands that we're talking about, the two Aboriginal cultures that we're talking about. Um, so, but I would just tell anybody, if this is part of your past, of your cultural past, start reading the myths, just like Gemini said. Yes. Do the work. Start getting as many Do books the work. you can get your hands on. And ask people, what? Yes. Why say yes to it. Oh, that's right. I said it. I said you're one of your lines. Do the you have to do the work. Now, what does this have to do with witchcraft? So every single tradition is gonna bring us, and I know that we've had this discussion. Um, some of it is not seen as witchcraft, but I think that the minute you start setting fire to things yes. for a god, I think that, that there's magic in that. Right? Um, it's not yes. ceremonial magic. It's magic. And I think that a lot of these older cultures are filled with magic. Some of it very ceremonial, some of it very specific on how you do things. When I set out, and we'll, I'll take pictures of it, maybe in one of the full moons, I'll take pictures of my stuff, and I'll, I'll talk about what it, what it means. I'm very purposeful mm -hmm. in how I do it and how I lay things out. In the ancestors that I'm calling on, you know, working with an ancestor or working in magic, it's not about, it's not Santa Claus. You're not asking for things. You are putting energy out to try to get some sort of energy or manifestation back. And I think that's magic. That's witchcraft. I think we have to stop seeing yes. it only in terms of Wicca. I think we have to start you know, broadening our minds because a lot of cultures come with a lot of magic. And yeah, again, much older than Wicca, yes. which is only from the 1950s. Yeah. Right? You want to be nice, we can say the 1940s, but, you know, pretty much thereabouts. You know, a lot older practices. Now, do I have to tap into the religion of the Tainos? to practice some of it. No, I don't have to if I don't want to, but that doesn't feel right to me. That doesn't feel real to me. I want to tap mm -hmm. into my spiritual past. And when I say my spiritual past, I am talking about something that is in my DNA, something that, you know, might have been wiped out by some part of my family, but reclaimed by other parts of the family and being reconstructed by members of my family. So, you know, it's something very important to me. Now, where will I go with this? I'm not sure how far I'm going to go with all of this. How do I incorporate stuff? So now that I understand, let's say, um, the seasons, let's just talk about like just the influence of astronomy. So 
for the Tainos, you know, they use these different celestial bodies to influence like their agriculture, their fishing practices, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when rain was going to come, like in their wheel of the year is very different. So you have the winter solstice, December, November, October, and that's the second rain season. Then the equinox is in September. Then you have hurricane yeah. season, August, July. I'm going backwards, right? June, summer solstice, May and April. We're talking about the first rain season. The March is the e- March is in the e- equinox, spring equinox. Then you have the dry season, February and January, which brings us back to the winter solstice. It's a completely different wheel of the year, but it works for them. And what's interesting for this yeah. is that we're still talking about agriculture they had to understand their year so they knew when to plant they knew when they had to do what depending on what was happening and then they had to explain it and that comes that's when their gods come in that's when their ancestors come in so for me does that mean that my wheel of the year changes no this is this wheel of the year i have in my book of shadows this Taino wheel of the year but I have yeah. the other wheel of the year. Why? Because I live in New York. Okay? And so for me, do we have a dry season, a rainy season? Yeah, but it's not yeah. November and October. Our rainy season is like April, May, where we get more rain. So, you know, to reconstruct something for me does not mean, okay, I have to abandon this. Yeah. It's about I've learned a set of things. What makes sense to me? Okay. And I think when you do that with research, with thought, right, it's about contemplating. Why did I put this wheel of the year in my book of shadows if I'm not going to use it? Because I want to be aware of it, right? I want to further understand the Taino way of thinking when it came to the land. I want to see what I can learn. Being in New York, being far away from Puerto Rico and Cuba, what can I learn about this Mm -hmm. land? You know, I have to get in touch with New York right? New York soil, New York dirt. But what can these people, these ancient people teach me about what my people already knew about land and what I might need to learn about this land? So I don't think that when we reconstruct something for me, again, I'm just talking about me, or when we, I add something to my practice, I'm not looking to erase what it is I had. I'm looking to grow in my practice. I'm looking to see what's going to bring me calm, what's going to bring me information, what's going to bring me a better way or a new way of looking at something so that I can do a better spell or I can do a better ritual or whatever, right? It's all about growth. Again, if you're not from this region, look, if you're interested to find out about your people, look for those books, right? Try to understand. Um, If you need help, you can always reach out to us and we can always try to do some digging and help you find books for that. You know, I'm, I, I've always been very, I don't know, like standoffish about talking about these things because, you know, the last thing what I want is for people to think that I'm talking about these books because I think everyone should run out and buy them when actually I don't feel that way at all because that's appropriation. And I think you can read them to understand something just for the beauty of it. I think that's awesome. But when you're talking about people that were colonized, I think it's a very touchy thing to then turn around and say, I'm going to now practice in the Taino way if your people came from yeah. Sweden. It's just very weird and wrong in my in my book. But 
you know, if you're interested in this stuff, just to read, um, because I mean, I find history interesting. So this is the first time you're hearing about Dainos and you're like, oh, no, I got to get that book. I just want to read more about Dainos. Absolutely. We're also going to post this on Instagram so you can see which of the books that I'm talking about, Um, because I think that it's a fun read. It's an interesting read and it might get you thinking about the land that we're on, you know, and finding out um, as a settler somewhere, you know. Where can you go for more yeah. information on the place where you are? Because that's another form of witchcraft is, you know, really hunkering down to where so you live. And I that's had just seen as valid. on TikTok okay. the other day, um, and this is kind of making the rounds. It's already gotten to Twitter. Mm-hmm. An argument between, it's not an argument. It's a white guy being racist and a black woman telling him what for. Basically, this, this white man supposedly practices voodoo and is talking about Papa Legba. And all of this. And the black woman basically stitches his video and is like, you're not pronouncing it right. First of all, it's Papa Leba. We don't say the G. Also, there's all this different mythology that you're you're messing up. And this guy, like, goes off. He says some shit. It's racist. We're all obviously against the racist white dude. Like, don't do that. But it got me thinking about two very important things. One, if you are a settler, right? Regard, you don't have to be white, right? If you're going to, if you really feel desperately that you need to practice this religion of a people who you don't fundamentally belong to, practice a little bit of shut up, right? Because realistically, there are people who are going to do that no matter what. And if that makes you feel fulfilled and in touch with the universe that's better for you, right? Like, I'm happy you're having that moment, but shut up, right? Don't tell, don't tell people, don't act like an expert, don't act like it belongs to you and that you know better because you don't, and you shouldn't have taken something that didn't belong to you without respecting the people that it came from. And if you can't respect the people that it came from, but you still feel like you got to touch it, don't talk. Because if you don't talk, nobody's going to know, nobody's going to yell at you. Right? So just just don't talk. But then it got me thinking about the way that Irish people make fun of American people with Irish heritage talking about trying Celtic practices. Um, if, if you are a member, like, living in the culture and you're finding people from America are trying to reclaim that, um, I've seen it happen on TikTok with, you know, Black Americans trying to get in touch with their African roots American Irish versus actual Irish people, etc. Try to be a little bit kind to the people who are coming to these practices because every single one of us in America has had our cultures separated from us. Some of us did it because we wanted to get privilege, right? Irish and Italians especially, we wanted to be treated better. And so we stripped ourselves away from our cultures Um, Scandinavians stripped ourselves, Germans, away from our culture so that we could participate in American white supremacy. (laughs) But people of color had it stripped from them forcibly. And a lot of us are now just trying to figure out what are we missing? What part of our soul did America take from us? We're not going to get it right. We're not going to get it right 100% of the time, and especially not at the beginning. Try to just have a little bit of patience with us. A lot of the time, we're, we're really coming at it respectfully. But we're dumb, right? Or we don't have the... 
Well, I don't think we're dumb. I just think I've whenever you do anything, never for done first anything time, wrong except for you, because Gemini has already said she doesn't do Correct. anything. Yes, unless she knows she's going to be good at it right off the gate. Okay, I'm not like that. I understand that when I yeah. start something for the first time, it's going to suck. Whatever it is I do, it's going to be bad. Okay, the first book of shadows yeah. that I ever did, I hated it by the time I was done because I realized all the things that I needed to do to it. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think that it's, it's not that we suck or that we're yeah. dumb. I just think that that's what happens. That's how you learn. And I think that that was really well said. I was just nodding the entire time that you were speaking. Um, I think when it comes to specifically when you're talking about a minority group, right? People who were mm-hmm. colonized, enslaved, etc. To take from them and now make yourself the expert up. in something. It's fucked up. It, it just, it, yeah, that's the only way to put it. Like, just, just don't. Yeah, just don't. I mean, seriously. So when you think, oh, you know, people are being gatekeepers. Um, what else do you want from us? Is kind of like what I want to say. What, what else can we do? If for they you? didn't gatekeep it like, now, nuts? they would just be Christianized again. They didn't gatekeep it in the first place, and know. now their their practices have to be integrated into a Catholic structure. Like, let people live. Yeah, I agree. You know, but there's also, like, just talk within yeah. the different communities. Like, you know, somebody doesn't speak Spanish, you know, that's to be shamed about. Um, my parents made a decision to teach me Spanish first. However, it was not a popular opinion. Um, because way back in the 50s, oh, before that, but there's just been a lot of, obviously, a lot of conflict and issues, but... You know, there was the Nationalist Party that did go to Congress and they were arrested and they were not pardoned until Clinton was the president. So how many years after that? So, you know, my mother is very light skinned and she remembers when she got married to my dad that there was still a lot of the if he came with her because he was a little Mm -hmm. bit darker, then, you know, the apartment was no longer available. But if she went by herself, the apartment was available. So they made, you know, they discussed the pros and cons of having me speak Spanish. You know, their fear was, and this was a fear of a lot of, I think, Puerto Rican parents, was do we even teach our kids Spanish? Because if they don't know Spanish, then they can't be seen as other, right? They're going to integrate no matter what. Um, So I learned Spanish, but I was was a big weirdo. (laughs) You know, I didn't fit in with everybody else. Just for that reason and for no other reasons. So what? <laughs> oh, because I spoke Spanish. Yeah, you weren't a, re- a weirdo for any other reasons. You were totally normal, except no, for the saying. Spanish. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> saying I spoke Spanish. That's the only thing that was normal about me. Everything else, I was just a weirdo. Um, so it's not gonna help. It's not gonna help you kid integrate <laughs> into anything. I'll tell you that right now. Teach them Spanish. Teach them whatever language you know, because it's not gonna help them. They're gonna be weird. They're gonna be weird no matter what. Dead ass. But um, but I I knew a lot of my friends that their parents just refused. Mm-hmm to teach them Spanish. And, and I get it. There was a lot of fear. Um, and, I, and, you know, the fear has to go away at some point. And I think this is the point. So I, I, that's the other thing. We can't put people down. You know, one of the books that I mentioned, I, I can't find in English. So, you know, is that a terrible thing? No, you can read one of his other books. Yeah. You know? Learning Spanish is not going to make you any closer to the island anyway, since that was not the original language yeah. that, that we spoke. So, but um, I think it's one of the reasons why I don't think we should let the U.S. 
take it away. They try to on the islands in Puerto Rico. They try to uh, make it illegal to even teach kids Spanish in school or to have them speak in Spanish. And of course that changed. So I feel like, you know, we got this language. We're keeping it now. And, you know, it's part mm -hmm. of us now. So I say teach your kids whatever language that your family knows. Make sure that they know it. That shouldn't go. Because you're right. People are losing their culture. But, you know, the whole idea of Tainos, Tainos, that was taken away such a long time ago. So um, the reconstruction of that is going to be different. And how much I wind up incorporating into my practice, I'll still have to see. It's yeah. still a work in progress, you know, which I'm enjoying immensely. And I think, again, that's what I said in the beginning. You have to come to this with joy. So it doesn't mean that your practice has fallen flat. It's not like I don't have a lot to learn about Espiritismo or a lot to learn about Wicca or a lot to learn about, you know, I don't know, any other kind of witchcraft. Yeah. It just means I like learning new things. And I think that that's a good thing. So, so yeah, so it's all about research. Wait, no, what, what is your thing? Take, take it slow. Reflect. Take it slow. Do the work. Reflect. Do the work. I'm writing this one I down. It. I hate asking all the time. But Take it time. works for everything. Right? I told everybody that I was going to keep you guys updated on re, uh, like introducing Celtic practices into my whatever this is. And I'm going to be right. very honest with everyone. I have done mm, the minimum since we did the Morgan Daimler podcast. And you know what? Good. I'm not rushing into anything. I'm right. taking it slow, I'm reflecting, and I'm doing the work. Does that mean that it might be years before I actively do participate in a Celtic sort of revival practice? Yes, but you know what? It took me years before I was able to consider myself Hellenic. I have the rest of my life ahead of me. I do not need to reach out to the Fae tomorrow. So that's my update for everybody. I've done basically nothing but read, uh, and that's good. And we're happy with that. And I think that's the part that is missing also when it comes to whether it's the religious side of witchcraft or the practice of witchcraft. It, it shouldn't be a fast thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we recently had a talk with someone about their spells going wrong. Yep. And it's like, are you getting spells from the internet or from a book? Like, yeah. Why are you doing that? Like, that's, isn't this what we talk about all the time, about taking it slow? Actually, now I know, reflecting and doing the work. So doing that is, and that's what we like about the sit-in spells, is talking about the construction of spells, yeah. right? You don't need to go online. What are, we all have symbols of things. You know, what symbolizes the home to you? What symbolizes love to yeah. you? What symbolizes, you can do a spell, um, but when you don't understand what is going into a spell, things can go terribly wrong. So, yeah, you have to do the work, and this is part of it. Do you have to do a religious side if you are just focusing on a practice? Not religious, but I think you need to do spiritual work. I think you should know. Right? You should have the knowledge base. Right. Whether or not you're, like, actively doing every single religious thing... But you should know. Well, that's what I meant by spiritual, not necessarily religious. Like, if you don't want to touch any religion, but there is the energy of what it is you're moving. Yeah. What is energy, right? Um, you have to understand, or for yourself, not what anybody else thinks, 
what do you think it means to be alive? Do you believe you have a spirit? Yeah. Do you believe the spirit has energy? Do you believe that you work with ancestors? Like, I think you have to really delve deep before you come out and do a spell. Yes. So you don't necessarily have to do the religious work, but you should do some spiritual soul searching so that you can understand because a spell is not, I'm, I burn this piece of paper and that's the end of it. There's something behind that, mm -hmm. right? What is what is it? What is a piece of paper made of? When you burn it, what does that do? What does the smoke represent? The, and there's, you know, again, there's a science to it. So and different practices you need to have some sort of are going to have mm -hmm. different associations. So, like, if you're doing a honey I, jar, that comes yeah. from a specific practice. And if you're replicating right. that, you should be replicating what that practice believes in, right? Because exactly. if I do a honey jar, that is that means something but if i do a spell with honey that might be different you if you're gonna especially if you're right. getting something from a book or from the internet sit down and figure out what each thing is supposed to do and why before you start doing the spell because you might realize halfway through the spell oh this actually is from this practice that i shouldn't be putting my grubby hands in or actually right. these ingredients are not going to resonate with me in the way that they're supposed to or Right. You know, hey, this particular ingredient is something that I'm not supposed to use in the practice that I do. Right. Just, you know, we just read. We read a little bit first, please. Yeah, that's it. And if you don't want to read everything, that's what we're here for. To talk yes. about books, <laughs> to tell you which books are pretty good, and then you tell us what you think about the books that we talked about. So um, so that's, I think we, we talked about what we wanted to say. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to us, for giving us this platform, for just being the most amazing listeners that we could possibly ask for. Thank you to Sean McShane for our amazing intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. <laughs>